Hello, everyone, and welcome to Millennial Learns. Thank you all so much for tuning in to today's episode. Today is a Thursday episode, which means we are doing the history of a certain state. Now, if you're new here, welcome. We are going through all of the states in the Union, but we are going in the order that they joined the Union. So we are on the 31st state that joined, which is California. Now, it was a little bit surprising to me that California actually joined the Union this early because the last ones we had talked about were Wisconsin and what was the one before that? Texas, Florida, Michigan. So they're all kind of still in that mid Midwest region. And now all of a sudden we're admitting a state that's way geographically far away from the rest of our states. So it is interesting how California the history behind how it joined the union and why it joined in this order. So let's get into it and I hope you enjoyed the episode. Okay, so before any of the major historical timeline stuff, let's just talk about the basic facts of California and kind of what it's like today. So the capital of California is Sacramento. It became a state on September 9th, 1850. And it says that it is named California because, well, it's credited to the Spanish conquistadors for naming California. It says the name of the nation's largest state comes from Califia, a legendary queen of the island paradise described in a Spanish romance novel from the early 16th century. So after Califia is named California. The state motto is Eureka, which is referring to the discovery of gold in California because there was a major gold rush there. The nickname is the Golden State for the same reason. The population is 39.1 million, and as you may have heard, it is declining over the course of, it, well, it's really declined over the course of COVID. So from 20 to 2022, there was uh, some people leaving California for places like Texas and Florida, which we talked a little bit about the influx um of people to there and that's not just from california obviously it's from a lot of other states but california has had a lot of people leave um the geography so this is from national geographic like kids they always have a great geography um synopsis there but california is bordered by the pacific ocean in the west oregon in the north nevada and arizona in the east and mexico in the south so it's on the far west of the country it says follow the 1100 mile coastline for sandy beaches cliffs and mountains or head northeast to discover forests with redwood trees that are about 380 feet tall about as tall as a football field is long East of the Redwoods is Mount Whitney, the highest peak in the 48 contiguous states and part of the Sierra Nevada mountain range. Like the heat, travel southeast to the 25,000 square mile Mojave Desert. The center of the state is called the Central Valley, where you'll find miles of farmland. So basically what that means is California has it all. It has like a little bit of every geography. You just have to go find it because it is such a huge state that um yeah you will you will find whatever you're looking for there okay let's talk about the climate so this is by far like the best comfort index i think we'll see i mean it's way high i've mentioned that usually you know the average is considered a 7.0 for any comfort index for any state in the u.s they baseline it at 7.0 usually if one's very comfortable we see like maybe a 7.5 this comfort index is an 8.4. Okay, so let's talk about like the precipitation. So they get 22 inches of rain per year on average. The national average is 38 inches. Water is definitely a problem in California. Like it's seemingly always in a drought. So that is one downside. They get seven inches of snow and that's in the mountain region pretty much so it's not like la is getting a bunch of snow you know certain parts of the state get about seven inches of snow 28 inches is the national average for the amount of snow they get 258 sunny days with the national average being 205 the summer high is 87 the winter low is 39 so there's really like almost no winter and especially in some parts of 
the state, it seems like, you know, when I watch YouTubers from California and stuff, they're like, oh, it's so chilly and it's like 50 degrees, you know? So there is really like no winter in at least some part of the states. I think, you know, the mountains obviously get colder. So all that amazing weather brings the comfort index to, like I said, an 8.4. And it is so like consistent across the board the lowest so they break this comfort index down by month so some months have like a very very high comfort index but most of these states like in the spring and fall they have like maybe a nine comfort index but then in the winter they have like a three the lowest month of the california comfort index is a 7.2 which means even on the worst month it's more comfortable than the average state which is just amazing that on top of it gets to about only 53% humidity at the peak, making it really not that humid for the majority of the year, is just a huge draw to California. I think definitely the weather is like the best of any state, hands down. So, okay, let's talk about the history of the, you know, people there and how California actually came to be like a territory and a state of the U.S. So I'm getting this from ereferencedesk.com. Again, I link everything down below. So you're free to go look at all of these resources because sometimes I can't get to every single thing in every single resource. So, um, okay. So this talks about the earliest inhabitants who were Asians who traveled the Bering Strait into North America um, over the land bridge that has vanished. It says more than 10,000 years ago, they settled throughout the region's diverse geographic areas and climates. Uh, the deserts and then the high mountains helped to separate all the groups. So over the years, there were many distinctive lifestyle differences and culture differences that developed among the different groups because they were pretty geographically spread. It says among um, these groups included the Hoopa, Medu, Pomo, Modic and Mojave tribes and there were more than 135 language dialects that emerged from what is now California. The first Spanish missionaries arrived in California in the 1700s but California didn't become a U.S. territory until 1847 as part of the treaty ending the Mexican-American War. It says shortly thereafter the discovery of gold in, 1940, or in 1848 inspired a wave of settlers to head to the west coast in search of a fortune in 1850, California became the 31st state and is now the third largest state behind Alaska and Texas. Okay, so that's like the general overview. So let's get into a more uh, kind of detailed timeline of how California came to be. So the first date on here is 1510. It says that California is first used in a romance novel published in Spain in 1510. It was written by Garcia Ordonez de Montalvo the translator of the Amadis de Gaulle. Okay, there's a lot of Spanish in here, but it's called Adventures of Espandian. Oh, Esplandian. Anyway, so that's this book where California was first used, like the name California. In 1533, two ships make their way northward from Tehuantepec and land at the very tip of Baja, California at La Paz Harbor. The local residents kill 20 of the landing party and the ships retreat. Um, so those were like the first, that was like the first attempt of exploring the area. 1535, Hernando Cortez led a return expedition to La Paz and he planted a small colony there. It failed though after a couple years and the settlers ended up returning to the mainland and kind of giving up that too. So the settling effort has not been so successful. In 1539, Francisco de Uloa um, explored the Gulf of California, and he also rounded the tip of Baja and explored up the western coast of California. There was another expedition by Antonio de Mendoza, um, who was the viceroy of New Spain, and um, he sent, or no, he was sent under Hernando de Alarcon uh, um, up the Gulf of California where they enter the mouth of the Colorado River and become the first Europeans to stand on California soil. So they had tried to explore for like 10 years, but 1540 was the first year that anyone of, who came from Europe basically stood on the land. 
1542, it says the Portuguese-born sailor Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo, Cabrillo, I would assume, becomes the first European to explore California, landing at San Diego on September 28th. He went on to discover the Catalina Islands, the sites of San Pedro and Santa Monica, and the Santa Barbara Channel Islands. Okay, um, 1545, it says that a typhus e epidemic kills hundreds of thousands of natives and some colonists in both Cuba and New Spain. And this was one of the first of a large series of European-born diseases that started just decimating the native populations. Um, then in 1579, Sir Francis Drake landed north of San Francisco Bay and claimed the territory for England. So at this point, it is technically English land. Okay, we're into the 17th century, so 1602, Sebastian Vican Vizcano, who was another Spaniard, um, explored the coast and Monterey Bay. Uh, then, so flash forward like 63 years later, nothing really happens except for England has technically like claimed part of this land. Um, in 1665, Jose de Galvez arrives in Mexico as visitor general of New Spain. This says he was periodically insane and it says uh, he thinks he is God Montezuma or the King of Sweden. He launches an ambitious program of colonizing Alta California, implemented by his emissary Padre Junipero Serra. So, yeah, he thought he was God and needed to colonize this, I guess. Um, 1669, a man named Gaspar de Portolbe was the governor of the Californias, and he led an expedition up the Pacific coast and established a colony and California's first mission on San Diego Bay. He later established a presidio at Monterey, which became the capital of Alta, California. So then it says that for 227 years after the first contact, no European settled in Alta, California, which is the territory of today's state. So very, very interesting stuff. Okay. Now we are into the 18th century, so not a ton is happening in the 17th century in California. Um, but in 1769, so that's even like well into the 18th century, 69 years into the 18th century, um, the entrance to San Francisco Bay is discovered on November 1st by Sergeant Jose Ortega. Um, let's see. There were missions that were set up by, it says San Diego, de Alcala, the first of 21 missions established by Franciscan Padres under the leadership of Father Junipero Serra was founded. The missions extend along a 650-mile trail in the El Camino Real from San Diego to Sonoma. Okay, um, there was another expedition led by Gaspar de Portola from Mexico um, to establish settlements in Alta, California. He arrived in San Diego. Uh, then he discovered Monterey Bay, then he, uh, San Francisco Bay, and then uh, he served as Alta, Go Alta California's governor from March of 1769 to July of 1770, so for about just over a year. Okay, 1775, the Continental Congress names Benjamin Franklin the first postmaster general. And then 1776, it says the first colonizing party arrived to found... Uh, to found the Presidio of San Francisco and Mission Dolores. So there's all these missions that are getting set up, basically. So um, there's like kind of a long paragraph about that. But basically, Mission Dolores was designated as a registered landmark number one of the city of San Francisco. So that was like big San Francisco history there. Um, it's one of the oldest mission churches in California. The first mass there was celebrated in 1776 on June 29th, which was five days before the Declaration of Independence was signed. Um, and this was the sixth overall mission of the 21 that were established by the Franciscans. Okay, now we're into the 19th century. 
Um, but it is important to note, it says that during, in the late 1800s, the transcontinental railroad system was established with funding from the big four, which was a group of men, um, Charles Crocker, Mark Hopkins, Collis P. Huntington, and Leland Sanford, Stanford. Um, it says their economic influence helped shape California's industrial industry, which is, I'm assuming, why Stanford is named Stanford after Leland Stanford, which was one of the big four. The system included tracks throughout California's Sierra Nevada region, as well as connecting New Mexico, Colorado, Arizona, Mexico, Utah, and Nevada for mining and travel. So the, uh, the transportation system is starting to really get, uh, get going. In 1812, Russian fur traders established a fort called Fort Ross right north of San Diego, or sorry, San uh, Francisco. In 1820, it says ships from Boston began, began to visit the Spanish towns and missions along the upper and lower California coast. They came first to barter for both otter and beaver pelts, later for tallow, hides, and materials used by the natives and settlers. In the 1820s, American trappers and hunters began to drift into the state from the east. These early pioneers of the west were sometimes harshly treated by the earlier Spanish governors, but later they were welcomed. They still had to show passports and submit to surveillance. And it says later, some of the new arrivals married the daughters of very wealthy Mexican ranchers and ended up taking large land grants. So I don't really ever think of California as like a ranching place, but that was like a big part of its history in the early 1800s. Okay, 1821, Mexico won its independence from Spain and now California is ruled by Mexico. Just like Texas, just like we went over in the Texas history, they were at one point part of Mexico. Um, the Russian trading post Fort Ross was completed near Bodega Bay, enabling the Russians to further explore the Northern California coast as they continued hunting for fur, seals, and sea otters. Okay, 1826, Father Jose Altamira who was sent from Spain in 1819, engaged in constant flogging and imprisonment of the Native Americans at the Mission San Francisco Solano, Solano, Solano. <laughs> um, and his efforts to civilize them soon caused a revolt. A group of angry Native Americans attacked the mission in 1826, and it says after looting and burning buildings and supplies, they forced Father Altamira to flee to Mission San Rafael. Jedediah Strong Smith and other trappers made the first U.S. overland trip to the area um, also in that year. So America was kind of starting to take notice of California. Okay, in 1846, the U.S. invades Mexico from the east and reaches San Diego in, in December of 1846. Um, it also says that same year on July 31st, 1846, a weary company of about 220 Latter-day Saints passed through the rocky portals of the Golden Gate, anticipating the end of a difficult six-month voyage, which took them around the southern tip of South America. So in our like Mormon episode, I think we talk about the voyages that they took. I'm not sure if we talked about that one that took them around South America. I know we took we talked about them going, coming from the you know east and Midwest to like Utah and the Salt Lake Valley. Um, but that's a little piece of LDS history. And then on July 9th, 1846, Commander J.B. Montgomery raised the American flag. Now, I just want to say that this next one is confusing because I just realized, like, I had to take a little pause and go research something because this next one says that California became a U.S. holding with the Treaty of Guadalupe, which ended the Mexican War in 18... 48. In the intro, it said 1847. So I saw that, like, you know, inconsistency and went and um, researched it, and it did happen in 1848. So that is when California became a um, part of the U.S. But in January of that year, 1848, James Marshall discovered gold at Sutter's Sawmill in Coloma, um, like I said, in January of 1848. It says, along the South Fork of the American River, thus kicking off the famous gold rush of 1849, which uh, the term 49ers was coined from. So I feel like all the California things are based off of gold, like the Golden State and, um, you know, the, the gold rush was like a huge part of their history. 
So I didn't know where the 49ers came from, but this makes a lot of sense that it was the gold rush of 49. So I thought that was very fascinating. And then later that year, they became the territory of the U.S. Okay, 1849, um, the city catches on fire after Sydney Ducks allegedly burned down the abode of a merchant who refuses to pay them protection money. Now again, I'm finding some errors in this timeline. It just says the city catches on fire. I don't know which city, but from the context of what happened before, I think it might be San Diego. Um, I don't know. Usually this website is pretty good about its timelines, but I'm noticing like a lot of typos and misspellings and different things. So I'm not so sure. Um, but we'll keep going because I think the vast majority is correct and useful. But um, 1850, California was admitted into the Union as the 35th state, and that was on September 9th of that year. Okay, 1851, it says on June 9th at Sydney Cove, um, John Jenkins walked deliberately into a merchant store, picked up the small safe, carried it to a boat at a nearby wharf, and coolly rode out into the bay. The alarm was given, and a number of merchants pursued and overtook the man. So... This seems like kind of a simple uh, robbery, but it was put on the, the timeline. 1853, the California Academy of Sciences is founded. Uh, let's see, 1856, it says, following a cleanup of crime by the 1856 Committee of Vigilance came a stimulating improvement in business and prospects. And it was on June 11th, 1856, that the city and county of San Francisco was formed and a new county called San Mateo was created out of the remainder of the old county of San Francisco. It said it was a strange town at that, the San Francisco of 1856, and its 30,000 people were in speedy transition from a city of tents and shacks to one of brick and stone buildings. So a, a big time of improvement for this kind of leftover uh, town. Okay, um, 1860, California's famous mail courier service, the Pony Express, followed a route which began in Missouri and ended in Sacramento, California. It says the trips lasted more than 10 days depending on the weather conditions and were the first of its kind connecting California's communication system with the Midwest. Riders changed mounts at postal stations, which were 15 miles apart. The fastest delivery was a trip in six days, which delivered the news of President Lincoln's assassination. Um, which that is like so funny to think about or just crazy to think about how far we've come because now something happens and you hear about it like immediately on every news outlet, every like Twitter thing. And, and then the president got assassinated and they didn't hear about it for six days. And that was like record time. So definitely a lot slower uh, communication. Um, 1861, Fort Point was completed. It was built to protect San Francisco from someone who never came. It says the fort was never fired on and did not ever have to defend the gate. Um, okay, so on a spring day in 1868, there was a banker named James Sloan Hutchinson who stepped in to stop two horsemen who were dragging a squealing boar off to the market, but they were dragging it on these rough cobblestones on the street, and he you know, thought it was cruel, because I'm sure it was. Um, the incident moved Hutchinson to call together a group of fellow humanitarians to found the San Francisco SPCA, which is like the Animal Protection um, Organization. Okay, the Daily Morning Chronicle was launched in 1868, and the, uh, 1869, the first westbound train arrives in San Francisco. By 1870, San Francisco had become the 10th largest city in the U.S. And then it says, the American-speaking telephone company in San Francisco issued its first list of subscribers on a single sheet. 1880, Emperor Norton drops dead on California Street. Uh, between 10,000 and 30,000 people were reported to have attended his funeral. Now, let me, like, look who this guy is, because it seems weird that his name is... Oh, his name is Emperor Norton. 
Oh, no, it's not. Joshua Abraham Norton, known as Emperor Norton, was a resident of San Francisco, California, who in 1859 proclaimed himself Norton Emperor of the U.S., after 1863, or in 1863, after Napoleon III invaded Mexico, he took the secondary title of Protector of Mexico. So he's like a more local San Francisco, San Franciscan uh, hero. Okay, 1882. So this said that back in the 1840s and 1850s, Chinese laborers were recruited to build railroads, work the mines, and tend the fields of a growing, prosperous America. By the 1870s, with the mother load running dry and the economy turning shaky, anti-Chinese sentiment swelled, and in 1882, Congress passed the Chinese Exclusion Act, barring all Chinese immigration, a law which was not repealed for more than 60 years. Um, 1883, this is very interesting. So, like, okay, you know in Christmas Story when he goes, Hey, Black Bart, you'll get yours. I didn't know ever what he was talking about, but in 1883, it says Black Bart, in quotes, a gentleman bandit who had been robbing Wells Fargo stages throughout Northern California, they found out that this infamous robber was actually a respectable bank clerk, Charles Bolton, that had been going around and like stealing all this money and robbing these Wells Fargo stages. So... That's crazy. Um, 1891, San Francisco. Um, so on December 28th, 1891, in San Francisco, said the steamer Arago, which arrived here from the north today, had one of the roughest voyages of the season. On her last trip, she encountered heavy storms and had to be thoroughly overhauled and repaired. Um... The Sierra Club is founded in 1892, which one of their big efforts, uh, I guess their first conservation effort was to try to defeat the, there was a proposed reduction in the boundaries of Yosemite National Park. They wanted to make it smaller. And the group's first conservation effort was to um, go against that reduction of the land in Yosemite. 1898, the anti- the American Anti-Imperialist League was founded to, um, which was created to protest the annexation of Cuba, Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippines after the Spanish-American War. And the Anti-Imperialist League was the first national anti-imperialist organization that was formed in the U.S. In 1900, oil was discovered along the Kern River. In 1901, McKinley was assassinated, which made Roosevelt the president. And J.P. Morgan also organized the U.S. Steel Corporation that same year, 1901. Um, let's see, 1905. It says, one of the wonderful aspects of the turn of the century era was the multitude of grandiose or grandiose schemes for the development of California. In the early 1900s, the country had rebounded from the depression of the 1890s, so a renewed sense of optimism was the mood of the day. It was in this frame of mind that the prominent San Francisco businessmen seemed to create a coast railroad uh, from San Francisco to Santa Cruz. It was initially called the Ocean Shore Electric Railway, and the work on that began, began in 1905. The San Francisco Chronicle in the same year launches a series which accuses Japanese immigrants of debauching white women, uh, deliberately undermining the school system and causing crime and poverty in California, the series inspires the founding of the Japanese and Korean Exclusion League with 80,000 members. I can't believe they actively called themselves the Japanese and Korean Exclusion League and, like, the Exclusion Act. Like, in a time like today, that seems literally insane, but that is part of the history. Um, okay. Let's see. 1907, in the first decade of the 20th century, organized labor in San Francisco exercised more power and influence than labor in any other major American metropolitan area. The ULP, the Union Labor Party, was formed in 1901. It says it was a political party which ostensibly represented the interests of the city's working men. So, that is, um, this is like when the whole labor movement kind of started. 
1908, the FBI originated from a force of special agents created in 1908 by Attorney General Charles Bonaparte during pres the presidency of Theodore Roosevelt. So that's when the FBI was founded in California. Um, Angel Island was open, opened in 1910. It says for 30 years, Angel Island served as a point of entry for the, into the U.S. for many immigrants. Just like Ellis Island in New York, it processed the entry of people from different parts of the world. Unlike Ellis Island, it also served as a prison for hundreds of Chinese immigrants. The immigration compound at Angel Island was built to enforce an exclusionary law passed in 1882. Um, so yes, like we mentioned, this was um, enacted to deny entrance to the Chinese into the U.S. Um, in 1911, a special election was held on October 10th to vote on Senate Constitutional Amendment Number 8, which was to grant suffrage to women. It passed by a margin of 3,500 votes. So it was pretty close. Uh, 1912, Japanese Americans at this point owned over 12,000 acres of farmland in California. And this is also the year that the Titanic uh, sinks. 1913, California alien land law prohibited aliens ineligible to citizenship i.e. all Asian immigrants from owning land or property, but permitted three-year leases. So they had to give back their land, but then could lease it. It's like a terrible, terrible law. Um, okay. 1915, the task of creating a palace of fine arts for the 1915 Panama Pacific International Exposition fell to the architect Bernard R. Maybeck, then 50 years old and known for his innovative ideas. He chose his theme, or he chose a Ro Roman ruin uh, mutilated and overgrown in the mood of, wait, I don't even understand what this sentence says. Okay. Setting to work on his, this new project, he chose as his theme, a Roman ruin mutilated and overgrown in the mood of a parent Paranesi engraving. I literally don't really know what that means, but there was a cool architect who was very innovative who set this up. All right, 1920, Roger Baldwin founded the ACLU. Um, civil liberties, it says, were in a sorry state. They were put in jail for holding anti-war views. So like many of these things, like these foundations, they or organizations like the labor unions and the ACLU and all this, like they came from a good spot. Like you should be able to say you don't wanna to go to war and not be put in jail. But I feel like they've now devolved or devolved into things that are not necessarily good um so yes citizens were sitting in jail for holding anti-war views u.s attorney general palmer was conducting raids upon aliens suspected of holding unorthodox opinions racial segregation was the law of the land and violence against blacks was routine sex sex discrimination was firmly institutionalized and it wasn't until 1920 that women got the right to vote okay um let's see in 1922, in Ozawa versus U.S., the Supreme Court reaffirmed that Asian immigrants were not eligible for naturalization. 1924, Congress finally confers citizenship on some Native Americans, not all, but there were some. Uh, let's see. Okay, 1928, modern age hockey dawns in the Bay Area with the creation of the California Hockey League. So out of all places you would think that hockey like originated, you would not, well, at least I would not think it would be California, but that is it. It is California. Um, the Great Highway and Ocean Beach Esplanade, which cost more than a million dollars and was financed from the $9.3 million highway bond issue was voted on by the people. It was completed in San Francisco, and it today stands to show visitors from all over the world the finest stretch of highway ever constructed. Um, complete, let's see, it was celebrated by more than 50,000 people. Um, again, that was in 1929. Okay, the New Deal went into effect in 1930. It says historians have differed on how to explain the influence of the New Deal social policies at a local, state, and national level. Some have argued that his that Roosevelt's New Deal programs, by expanding the role of government, created opportunities for political entrepreneurs 
to use federal programs to build a base of support for themselves and the Democratic Party in their communities. Um, the lives of Florence Wickoff and Helen Hosmer indicate that a more complex and organic process occurred in San Francisco. Both women came of age in the early 1930s and were profoundly influenced by the human suffering and injustice they witnessed during the Depression. Okay, 1933, there was a Long Beach earthquake, which is, from what I understand, pretty devastating. The San Francisco Ballet was created, and then also Alcatraz was made a prison. That was all in 1930. Um, let's see. Um, okay. 1935, the San Francisco Museum of Art, under the leadership of founding director Grace L. McCann, oh, McCann Morley, um, opens in the fourth floor of the War Memorial Veterans Building. The City College of San Francisco was opened um, in 1935 as well. These are when these timelines always, you know, start putting so much detail in, in everything, but let's see if there's anything that's like short and good to add uh the completion of parker dam and the creation of lake havasu um were both completed in 1938. uh december 7th japan bombed pearl harbor and then december 8th the u.s entered Wo world war ii as a result of this the fbi detained uh, 1300 over 1300 japanese americans classified as dangerous enemy aliens Okay, 1942, President Roosevelt signed the Executive Order 9066, authorizing the Secretary of War to define military areas from which any or all persons may be excluded as deemed necessary or desirable. The only significant opposition would come from the Quakers and the ACLU. Okay, two and a half months after Pearl Harbor, 110,000 Japanese Americans, two thirds of whom were citizens, were evacuated from their homes and relocated in a series of inland U.S. concentration camps. The episode was called by the ACLU the single, the worst single wholesale violation of civil rights in of American citizens in our history. I agree. That is like the worst thing I think directly like that America. Well, I mean, it's obviously slavery, but this is pretty much also equivalent. Like, these are our own citizens, that two-thirds of them were citizens, and they're putting them in concentration camps. That is crazy. That is terrible. So, there are definitely some things in our history. Obviously, slavery being, like, one gigantic, terrible thing. But this one, I feel like, is not really talked about that much where we literally threw our own citizens in concentration camps because they were Japanese. That is messed up. Okay. Um, 1943, the All-American Canal was completed. Uh, 1945, United Nations Charter signed was signed in San Francisco. Um, in Oyama versus California, the Supreme Court struck down the alien land laws as violations of the 14th Amendment. The Evacuation Claims Act authorized payment to the Japanese Americans who suffered economic loss during the imprisonment. Uh, with the necessary proof, 10 cents was returned for every dollar lost. So it wasn't even good. They got 10% back. Okay. 1950, attempts by the State Alcoholic Beverage Commission to close down the Black Cat, which was a gay bar owned by Sol Stu Stuman, ended when the California State Supreme Court rules that bars cannot be discriminated against because they choose to cater to gays or lesbians. Um, let's see. Three convicts slip out of the Alcatraz cell house in 1962 and disappear into the waters of the San Francisco Bay, never to be seen again. Um, let's see. 1974, Charles Garfield found the Shanty Project to provide free volunteer counseling to people with life-threatening illnesses. Some of these, like, 
bullet points in this timeline are literally novels that they've written. It's like so long. So I'm not going to go, you know, I'm kind of skimming to see which ones are actually um, important. Uh, 1987, in June, a small group of strangers gathered in a San Francisco storefront to document the lives they feared history would neglect. Their goal was to create a memorial for those who had died of AIDS and to thereby help people understand the devastating impact of the disease. So this is like when the AIDS epidemic was really in full swing. Two years after that, AIDS patients flocked to San Francisco when Jonathan Samoan found out he had a had the AIDS virus. Wait. AIDS patients flocked to San Francisco. When Jonathan Samoan found out he had the AIDS virus, he knew where to go, San Francisco. There is literally no punctuation in this timeline. Okay, if there is a Mecca for AIDS patients, this is it. So yeah, San Francisco was like known as kind of the hub of this, it sounds like. So, um, you know, I think that's why, I guess before that there were bars and clubs that were catering to gay and lesbian like clients before so that kind of made it the hub once the AIDS epidemic happened like people who got the disease ended up going there and so that's why I believe San Francisco is still like the gay capital quote-unquote like unofficial gay capital of at least the nation um so that's where that stemmed from Uh, 1992, Major or Mayor Frank Jordan announces a state of emergency and a curfew after looters and vandals hit downtown following the Rodney King beating verdict. Uh, police Chief Hungis, Hungisto is fired after he orders his officers to clear the racks of 2,000 copies of the issue of an issue of the Gay Bay Times, which criticizes his tactics against King's demonstrators. So these are the. Um, Rodney King riots. Okay. Yahoo is incorporated in 1995. eBay is founded. Google is founded in 1997. All these are in California. California leads the nation in banning smoking in bars and restaurants. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is elected governor of California in 2003. There's a lot of fires that are um, documented in the 2000s and a lot of earthquakes, but that's pretty much it. So that is California's history. Again, very interesting. I was not, I didn't know a ton about the gold rush and like when all that happened and how we became a territory, but it was interesting because a lot of these other territories and states were a territory for a very long time before they actually became a state. Whereas California's only lasted two years they just got it from Mexico and then they admitted it into a state. So very fascinating history there. And then all the other states seem to get filled in after California. So for a while there, we had states on kind of both coasts, but uh, just territories in the middle. Okay, so that was the history. Let's talk a little bit about famous people who are from California. Pretty much like everyone because this is like, you know, LA, Hollywood, but a lot of people were born there, so I'm gonna rattle them off. Katy Perry, Dr. Dre, Shia LaBeouf, Khloe Kardashian, and I think that goes for all the Kardashians, but it just singled out Khloe. Jake Gyllenhaal, Jennifer Aniston, Tom Brady, Clint Eastwood, Marilyn Monroe, Tom Hanks, and Leonardo DiCaprio, and then I just put literally everyone because there were so many people on the list. It was pretty nuts. All right, let's go over state symbols, one of my favorite parts. Um, okay, so state amphibian is the... Wait, it doesn't make this clear. Hold on. Ah, one second. The state amphibian is the California red-legged frog. It is the largest native frog in the western U.S. and almost exclusive to California. It says that during the gold rush, miners ate nearly 80,000 frogs per year. Recent development and com competition from invasive species have also been hard on the California red-legged frog. It has lost 70% of its former habitat range. And in 1996, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service listed it as a threatened species under the Endangered Species Act. 
It is now found primarily in coastal regions from Marin County to northern Baja, California. All right, the state animal is the California grizzly bear. It was designated in 1953. It says, before dying out in California, this largest and most powerful of carnivores thrived in the great valleys and low mountains of the state, probably in greater numbers than anywhere else in the U.S. As humans began to populate California, the grizzly stood its ground, refusing to retreat in the face of advancing civilizations. It killed livestock and interfered with settlers. Less than 75 years after the discovery of gold, every grizzly bear in California had been tracked down and killed. The last one was killed in Tulare County in August 1922, more than 20 years before the authority to regulate the take of fish and wildlife was delegated to the California Fish and Game Commission. Well, that's really sad. Is that now extinct or does it live? Hold on. I have to look this up. I know it's extinct in California, but is it extinct overall? Oh, yeah, I think it's extinct. That's really sad. That sucks. Okay, the state bird is the California quail. It was designated in 1931. Um, let's see. Flocks number to a few, or from a few to 60 or more in the fall and winter months, but in the spring, they break into pairs. They nest in hollows, scratched out in the ground and concealed by foliage. Um, so they're widely distributed and a prized game bird. The state colors are blue and gold. The state dance is the West Coast Swing Dance. Uh, it says it's related to the swing, whip, or jitterbug. Uh, it became popular in the 1930s. The state fabric is denim, which is interesting. It's been a part of California since the Gold Rush era. Um, so jeans were definitely a big part of California's history. It says the pairs Usually denim waist overalls grew ever more successful. Today, the average American owns about seven pairs of jeans. Uh, California's cotton and jeans industries employ tens of thousands of people. And 75% of the world's designer jeans come from the Golden State. The state fish is the golden trout. Again, everything goes back to being golden. That was designated in 1947. The state flower is the poppy. Uh, the California Indians cherish the poppy as both a source of food and for oil that they could extract from the plant. Um, let's see. It became the state flower in 1903, and every April 6th is California Poppy Day. The state folk dance is the square dance. The state gemstone is the Benitoit. Benitoit? I don't know. Um, the state grass is Nacella pultra. I don't really know what that is, but it looks pretty. It's like this natural kind of flowy grass. The state insect is the California dog face butterfly or dog head, which was designated in 1972. The butterfly is found only in California from the foothills of Sierra Nevada to the coast, to the coast ranges and from Sonoma south to San Diego. The male has a yellow silhouette of a dog's head on its wings. So that's why it's called the dog head. The state marine fish is the Garibaldi, which is like this cute, looks like an aquarium, like bright orange fish. The state marine mammal is the California gray whale. Uh, from December through February, the whales can be seen traveling southward in small groups along the California coast on their way to the bays and lagoons of Baja, California. The state marine reptile is the leatherback sea turtle, Pacific leatherback sea turtle. The, let's see, state motto, like we said, is Eureka. State nickname is the Golden State. Um, the state nut, this is interesting. There's four state nuts. California is such an important nut-growing region that it has four official state nuts, the almond, the walnut, the pistachio, and the pecan. California grows eight out of 10 almonds eaten in the world, 99% of commercial walnuts in the U.S., and 98% of the pistachios in the U.S. Pecans are the only nut 
of the group native to the U.S., while they are all constituent, while they still constitute a small portion of California's nut industry, they are growing in importance. The state reptile is a desert tortoise. So it's funny, some states have like two or like four symbols, you know, like I think it was Idaho that had barely any. California is designating every last thing. Oh, the California redwood is also the state tree, which doesn't really come as a surprise with the redwood forest. So, uh, or redwood park. Um, so that is, those are the state symbols. Again, there's a ton, but okay, let's go to things to do in California because there are a ton like the, you know, region, how there's like so many different geography. There's so much different geography. There's so many different like areas. Uh, there's a ton of things to do in California. So there's something called the 17 mile drive. It says it's a spellbinding route that weaves along the most scenic stretch of the Monterey Bay coastline. So that is very good if you want to see like the coast and some nature and stuff like that. There is, it says Carmel by the Sea. It says this small community in Monterey County is one of the most unique and charming towns in California. It's an it's enchanting coastal location, wooded streets, fairy tale-like architecture, and bevy of local shops and restaurants is well worth the detour from the Pacific Coast Highway. Uh, there's also the theme parks. So Disneyland is like the big one there, and that's pretty much the only one you need to go to as uh, as far as I'm concerned, they all just basically list like the resorts that are part of Disney anyway. So Disneyland is the big one. Yosemite National Park is amazing. This has the Half Dome, Glacier Point, um, the Mist Trails. All those are really good if you like nature. They say explore the desert. Um, so Joshua Tree National Park, which a lot of people go to, is there. You can like rent out cool Airbnbs there and like stay in the desert and kind of be more secluded. There's Malibu, there's Santa Monica, San Francisco is amazing. San Diego is like a great uh, city. There's Death Valley National Park. I don't know if you really necessarily want to go there, but um, my cousin right now is like in the middle of Death Valley for uh, training out there. So um, yeah, it doesn't sound uh, too great, but you know, you can go. I've heard there's like marathons and stuff that you can go in. Then of course there's Los Angeles, Hollywood, wine countries out there, like Napa Valley produces like a ton of wine for the US. Um, then this is, you can behold the giant sequoias and redwoods at Sequoia National Park and the Redwood National and State Parks. So Lake Tahoe's there. There's just like a ton to do in California. I don't think you could, you could go there like a hundred times and do something different. So. I think if you go, you will love it. There's not bad weather, and I don't think there's, like, a bad thing to do. L.A. is, like, okay. You got to kind of go to the good parts, like, the more fun parts. The Staples Center, which is now, like, Crypto Arena. Um, I went there, and that was really fun. So there's definitely some fun things to do in L.A., but there's a lot of, like, nature things that you can do to get away from the city. So... Anyway, that is the history and all the facts of California. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you on Monday for another one. Bye everyone.